Um, I feel like a fraud a little bit. <laughs> it's so hard to, you know, a, a dinner party or something or any kind of place where you have to say what you do. And you're boiling it down to such a simple thing that I always feel kind of pretentious. Being like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think just having a category for something, and I, I don't know why I think the word filmmaker sounds so pretentious. <laughs> like, I just think of, like, the, someone with a beret and, like, a black turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just use the word producer because it seems more blue-collar, I guess, or something. <laughs> you know, you're like, I actually produce things and I get it done, and not, instead of being like, I'm a filmmaker and I theorize about concepts or something you have to, you know everything requires like at some point you're going to end up cleaning a toilet or doing a spreadsheet like it just happens and if you're not down to do that then you're not gonna get very far that was marcy stone francois local producer and film director and editor and women about town and i'm gonna go ahead and say it filmmaker you are yes she's it's hard to distill it i agree with marcy but she is she makes films she is awesome you are listening to the sub pop podcast episode six Woohoo! yay i am arwin nix and i am here with the sometimes friendly Alyssa <laughs> atkins i'll take it yeah. sometimes friendly <laughs> upgrade so marcy is uh one of the filmmakers that sub pop and hardly art have worked with a bunch she has worked on Taco Cat videos, Grand Archive, Shabazz Palaces, and a bunch more. Yeah. And I, I love her. She's great. Yeah. She's a go-to gal. Yes, absolutely. She can do it all. Um, yeah, so I first started working with her on videos, but how did you first start knowing Marcy? Marcy and I were two ships passing in the night oh. in Seattle about 10 years ago. <laughs> we didn't know that we lived in the same building. And then when I left Hot Mama's Pizza as a pizza delivery driver, Marcy started working there, and then eventually we ended up working at the same coffee shop. Which one? Bauhaus Books and Coffee. It was a Seattle institution. It's gone now. But yeah, Marcy and I have known each other forever. I love that lady. She's great. So it was great to get a chance to talk with Marcy. We for sure knew we wanted to hear from her on Mm -hmm. filmmaking and just... You know what it feels like to have to label yourself in a creative field a little bit? But I love how she put it, too, that, like, if you're going to be successful, you have to be willing to do it all. And I would personally rather clean a toilet than make a spreadsheet. (laughs) But I totally get what she's saying with that. Like, if you want to be creative, you just have to go all in and get it done. And, you know, one of the things that she really underlined when we were talking to her was that it's really hard to finish something and if you want to finish it because that feeling is worth it after like really making something you have to you can't be a snob about it you gotta be willing to do it all oh yeah that's true and that completely came up with carlos too the Mm -hmm. other film director editor producer about town from seattle carlos alberto fernandez lopez yeah man he is great i think he was maybe one of the first people the first person i said i wanted to talk to when we started yeah i doing think he interviews. was the first person you called when we decided to start doing interviews with well us. because he's awesome and he we sub pop and hardly art we've worked with him so many times on really great 
iconic, iconic Sub Pop and Hardly Art videos. I'm going to agree. His stuff is incredible. Mud Honey, Unnatural Helpers, most recently Gazebos. That new Gazebos video, I watched it four times in a row. <laughs> I could not stop. It was amazing. Yeah, I don't think one's enough. No, not for one of... Just once. No. Any of his videos, you're going you're gonna to want to watch more than one time. They're just that... They're just that kind of animal. We're not even trying to oversell him. That's just how real the respect is. No, I had never met him. And then I went to the Gazebo's record release after watching that video four times. And I like super fanned on him. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you made that. I watched it like five times. I think I freaked him out. He was like, oh, I'm going to go play pinball for a minute. <laughs> so sorry, Carlos, if I scared you. But he's great. He is great. And he and I had a super fun conversation as it always is when you talk to Carlos. But we talked about making videos and what it takes to see a creative project through. I mean, yeah. we talked about a bunch. Here's just a little bit of that. I think the first like video I did was for Hardly Art for um, The Duchess and the Duke. Because I just kind of knew Jesse and them and like from back in the band days. And um, we had just been talking about doing a video for him because it kind of fit like that aesthetic fit of their music. So. You put the blood in my veins and the lips on my face and the tongue that I and I did another one for Natural Helpers after that, so it kind of tied in with the, with the Hardly Art and the whole crew. <laughs> I hope it's sub pop to you. I love those videos so much. <laughs> I just rewatched the Unnatural Helpers one. And oh, it made yeah. me so happy. Yeah. How was that another? She was your girl for you. It made, it made sense to like make music videos because I always that's kind of how I when I hear music like I kind of already like see something from it so um, it just made sense and just you know being in bands kind of just having that part of it like knowing bands and just knowing that ba people in bands are like kind of naturally performers that, that kind of transitions well into like making like videos and movie stuff like they're more comfortable being filmed I think yeah just having that that you know knowing that they go out and front of people anyway and do stuff so like behind a camera or like having just a camera there it's a little bit I think an easier transition than just a normal person doesn't perform in any way for anybody you know totally there was a thing about working at the film lab where you would do that and be like well there's a camera over there <laughs> you know like we can film it and like you know get it get it make it a thing that's real not just like what we talk about you know so that was good those are good environments to be in which you wouldn't think you think you're kind of just like working a job or whatever but um, no, it was a really good, good learning experience. And you worked there with Calvin, you were yeah. saying. And then he went on to direct stuff, but you guys worked on stuff together. Yeah, like he was like in, like my first, and he was like a really great motivator of like, you know, you just say something dumb and be like, no, let's make that movie. So like, all right, like I guess, you know, and then you like find yourself like making that movie and you're like, oh, we're doing this idea that was like a lunch break dumb idea. <laughs> and that, I mean, that really just kind of made me think about it that way it's like you can just just do stuff and put it out there because that already puts you like ahead of people who just talk about doing stuff all the time you know and, like at least and even if it's dumb and you just have to kind of be open to the idea that yeah it's going to be like criticized for like being amateur or whatever but at least you're like trying and, and you're always going to learn what to do next the, the next time so yeah it was really invaluable to like work there for some and i at first i was just like i just need a job that's better than this you know <laughs> video store or whatever but it ended up being really great calvin did jerk beast right yeah and so did brady <laughs> yeah but what, can you remind me of what all that was? Uh, it was like <laughs> this public access show. It was just a call-in show. Brady was inside of a big papier-mâché monster costume that he had made. 
and they all kind of like took on personas. And that's what that's what that's what one person said once when we asked him if he was Billy Idol. He said, "Fuck no," and then poop. Yeah, it was pretty great. You know, instead of asking a girl out, you should ask them if they're Billy Idol, and you'll probably get the same qu answer. But I mean, at least you won't really. At least get shot you'll know down. if she's Billy Idol or not. Yeah. Or you'll get the same question. I think their basic thing was to kind of just like agitate the agitators because like all, all that would happen on public access is that you would call and prank whoever was like whoever show was which I was like a part of I was on the other side where I would like prank call shows all the time like that was like what you would do when you're 14 <laughs> like, um, but then one day like I knew Lee through um, bands and stuff like um, he was friends with like yeah like my best friends brothers they were like on in bands so that's how I met him so they were in a, in a cool band called the River Rats so like, I knew him through that but then I was just watching like public access one night, like late at night, with my friend. I was like, "I know that guy, and what what's with that monster?" And they were just taking calls and like swearing at kids, and uh, yeah, because I was like the ultimate. Because for me and my friends, like all we would do like, when we were 14, 13, 14 is just call public access shows and like prank, to the point where like they knew our voices and would hang up on us right away and like would get really <laughs> mad, and we would like just take over a person's show and just be the only callers at four p.m. You know, <laughs> and just like make this guy go crazy and. What Ex hoping is gonna happen you know if oh some good dialogue and some good the community coming <laughs> together i'm sure it's like they had great intentions and were just a bunch of jerks you know you just can't can't trust the public like public access is just so different you know once that went the whole city went <laughs> once they once it wasn't like a venue it's like there needs to be an outlet for people you know to like yell and like drive someone crazy that's not that you can see you know like now people just troll on the internet but you don't see people's faces when they get <laughs> can you do music videos forever or can you does anyone would you I mean, want to do that i i mean i could see it happening yeah because i think at this you I don't know, this becomes like a bigger like philosophy of your life kind of thing. But it's like, for me, they're the perfect size for me right now because they're like, I'm able to still have like the life I have and not be like, I'm just only thinking about this all the time. Like they're perfect to be able to compartmentalize. Like I'm doing this for this, you know, and it's a smaller budget. It's a smaller idea and, you know, we can get it done. And like, so I'm fine with it in that regard where it's, you know, it's it's kind of like that. I, I liked the um, the mud honey video that I did. That the the one take one. So you mentioned I like it small, which I'm yeah. glad you did because I wanted to talk to you about that one. That one had the the thing I I think I love the most in videos where you like wish you were there it seems so fun and it takes you a couple of viewings before you realize like oh that was all in one take or like how do they do oh, yeah. that would you do you have any memories from that shoot or this might make it make the idea sound a little bit less cool but um we were watching this movie that I basically ripped off it's this movie called uh, she's having a baby uh -huh. with kevin bacon so we're watching this scene. There's like a scene where Kevin Bacon's like really frustrated at his office, and his office starts closing in on him. And I was like, "Oh!" This, and I, th that just started this whole idea. And I was like, "And we'll just do it in one take." And it kind of works with this, you know. It's like, and then it just kind of came from picking apart the lyrics and find, having like fun things to to put in there, and and just trying to like make it challenging, like to myself in a way. Like I wanted, if I'm gonna do it in one take, it has to be worth it. Like there has to be something that happens, and then that's where it kind of became the idea where like then like all these people would suddenly be in this space and the walls would go away and just kind of be this weird like technical apparatus that I was like because I because it was like a little bit more of a budget I'm like well let's spend it all the way you know like there's just like magical things that happen and things that just come together when they should 
people wear the like they wear like a shirt you, like, you would hope they would have worn you know like and it, it, it just happens you know and then obviously like you know um mud honey and like mark and them are just like performers and, they, and they've been doing it for a long time so when they you can just tell like mark was comfortable like being like who he was so that was like a good thing that i didn't realize until we were shooting like oh he's just he's i don't have to worry about what he's doing he's doing everything i, I was like watching this monitor and realizing like oh i can't i kept looking up to see like what was going next like i can't it doesn't matter because like i'm looking at what the video will look like right now so i just had to like stare at this thing while all this kind of chaos is happening around and like shouting stuff like throw the blow-up dolls in <laughs> you know like now and stuff like that but um so yeah it was a lot of fun So I just watched that Mudhoney video recently for the very first time, and it is like a who's who of Seattle music <laughs> and sub pop and hardly art. Like, you've got members of Gazebos in there. You've got uh, Emily and Leela from Taco Cat oh, in yeah. there. Sub pop staff. Sub pop staff. Derek, I saw in there. Lacey. Lacey. There's a ton of people in there. It's incredible. And uh, this like all comes for full circle. A Hot Mama's Pizza Box. Oh yeah. See? Yeah. There you it's go. It's a like, really good introduction to Seattle, <laughs> if you at all even care. But in addition to that, um, when we were in the interview talking about Calvin Lee Reader, longtime friend and collaborator of yes. Carlos Lopez, those two just won an award at Sundance, a jury prize? Yeah, a jury prize for their short film, The Procedure, which is also going to be playing at South by Southwest this year. Good job, guys. Way to go. And now, while we're congratulating... Let's congratulate ourselves a little. Here's a Megamart ad. Yeah, all right. The next one is Megamart, one word or two. Ooh. <laughs> um. Do you have a guess? I know the answer. I am going to say two. It is two words. Sub pop Megamart. It is a mart that is mega. Yep. Mega is describing the mart. Mm-hmm. Did you want me to get it wrong? <laughs> no, I'm glad you got it right. It's like... I don't have to read this now. Always good to hear from Stuart. Oh, Stuart would like you to visit subpop.fm if for no other reason than because he made the site. But you should go there, and there are links to the Megamart. Yeah. Two and words. To contact Stuart. Yes. And us. Yeah. Write Stuart a note. He'd appreciate it. Podcast at subpop.com. There you go. Email. So, this next interview was uh, I sat down with Nathan from So Pitted. Their record Neo just got released like last week. Yep. And, um, I know that I mentioned before when I said that we were going to be hearing from Nathan that we were going to be talking about 24 and Jack Bauer. And that is because when I first met Nathan, it was at my friend Stacy Peck's house and she invited the two of us over as her two friends who love 24 to watch 24. <laughs> and Nathan and I did talk about that, but rather than just have us like geek out about what 24 is an allegory for, which is like everything. Um, <laughs> we've never seen the show, so. We decided to just like talk about some other stuff. And I, I started by asking him um, about this house that he lives in, which is called Spruce House. And it is just, Alyssa, it is one of those iconic kind of punk houses that so many of us live in, in our 
you know, early 20s or through our 30s as we're <laughs> making art and working on projects and have all these roommates and sometimes maybe like something is growing through the floor, but you also look back on that time as maybe not always having like electricity or hot water, but making really creative stuff. And I, so I just wanted to capture a little bit of that at the beginning of this. Yeah. And the collaborative spirit you would get from being in a place like that. It is a magical place. I live in Spruce House. I live with Leela Maupin. She's a member of Taco Cat. I like to call it um, like Fort Lost Boys. Also Brie McKenna. Spruce House is the best place in the world to house seven to ten functional artists who can afford to live someplace while they tour in bands or make art. Also of Taco Cat. Robin Edwards, she's in a band called Lisa Prank. Spruce House is an enchanted Seattle punk mansion where all your dreams come true. Doug Milis. Living at Spruce House is like living uh, in a tree fort with your best friends, no parents, and sometimes no electricity, but a lot of marijuana. I live with Eric Randall, also in Taco Cat. Eric's partner, Emily, lives there. Eric's brother, AJ. And then we have uh, Chris Byrne. Spruce House is a dream come true and a total nightmare all at once. It's the punkest house ever. Christopher Byrne, he lives outside in the trailer. Recommend something to me. What's something that you recommend? Highlander, the TV series. It stars Adrian Paul. The it's it's campy, but it's not it's not overly campy. <clears throat> Have you been fencing long? Long enough. Here. <laughs> We're not gonna need these. You're not gonna hurt me, are you? It's I think the thing about these about Highlander is it has like this vague spirituality around it. It's sexy. The main character, the Highlander, Duncan McLeod, he is peaceful and he's like, kind of like, he's out of the game, but the game comes to him. On guard. And he constantly has to defend himself. It's like, if you can imagine a TV show where en they have like an excuse to play Enya. Like, <laughs> they play Enya and stuff like that pretty frequently. And it's like, it's like deep at times for like no reason. like three or four years ago. I was like, I felt like strong enough to take care of myself. What happened three or four years ago that made you, like that either tested you so you could feel that way or changed so that you did? Kind of like had a little episode where I ate, a, I was like going through a breakup and I ate a lot of wheat cookies for like weeks straight. It was crazy. And it was like really funny at the time. It was novel, but but then I had like one really, really bad time. Like the, like the, a true panic attack. What happened? I just ate a bunch of them and I just didn't feel good. And I went to my room and I started crying and I went to the shower and I just showered for like two hours and I cried and showered the whole time. And I kind of like confronted a lot of like bigotry of like held on to, like a lot of sexist things and like even like racist things. Like that, like that were that were your views that yeah. you didn't realize you 
had was this yeah like like, or like i felt entitled to you it was like a huge like battle with entitlement so then when you have this realization like what what did you realize about entitlement in general entitlements are entitlement is one of the main things that keeps us from really loving another person and it's usually those entitlements that reinforce sexism, racism, or any other bigotry that people hold on to because they have these own experiences or entitlement to feeling that way. When in reality, if like, I think if you just like flipped it, like it's just really easy to like, if you just like change your perspective to another person or yourself, like if you're treating someone like this, but then flip the scenario around to where that person is you and you are the person you're treating with like hate or like offense or defensiveness and it's like how would you like to be treated by that person or by any person so three years later like after after this realization and this like two hour shower and this weed freak out how let's take on like misogyny for example like what Uh what is how has it changed the way you interact with female identified or women identified people i think back then it'd be like i'd like criticize some females like for not having stronger feminist views but then i realized how that's even a form of patriarchy itself (laughs) and like it was so cool it was so cool to realize that because then it's like did it change your dynamics with any women in your life yeah it's completely changed everything A lot of people feel like to survive, they have to win. But to win is to intend for others to lose. Mm -hmm. That's a very violent intention, to intend others to lose. Like, that's just, like, really crazy. It's a really sad thing. I don't want anyone to lose. Mainly, I just realized there's just room for everyone. I want to leave room for other people. And it's like in different ways where it's like I don't need to hog up all the attention or like I just don't want that yeah I don't see I used to see power like power as a lot differently than I see it now I think the most powerful thing I could do now is to share as much power because it's I don't know limitless yeah so how does that dynamic work being in a band it's kind of hard to say I mean do you feel like you guys all feel that way like that you are all trying to share with each other. Yeah. But I think it's like everyone's on their own journey. Like with like we're all dealing with our own feelings and our experiences at our own time. I just happened. The thing is, I call it the big chip. I just like dealt with that big chip that happened like three or four years ago. And it took care of a lot of things for me. And I guess that's it. Like I, I, I wouldn't speak for them on that behalf. I think that's kind. So Arwen, I think that interview is a really good example of how we never really know what kind of conversations we're going to end up getting into with these artists, right? Yeah, I mean, like, 
I didn't have any intention when I sat down with Nathan to talk about like him <laughs> eating edibles and, you know, dealing with like what he calls his massive chip. Um, but there you go. Like some, we're, we're going to talk to people about what needs to be talked about on that day. Yeah. Or what just comes up that yeah. feels like this is the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I like it. Nathan is just the type of person who is incredibly open and willing to talk about things. And he's not afraid of putting himself out there. Even if putting himself out there means wearing like a all white sub pop jumpsuit to his amazing (laughs) jammy jumpsuit. I love that you think it looks like jammy. No, but in the best way possible. It's just like, what are you wearing? That's amazing. We posted it on sub pop's Instagram and the response was instantaneous. So, for those of you who have not seen the picture, Nathan from So Pitted to his record release wore an all-white jumpsuit and his friend made three different screens and silk screened the Sub Pop logo on all these parts of the jumpsuit, including the butt, like yeah. Juicy or something, but Sub yeah. Pop. It really worked. It's you worth- should check it out. We'll put it on the website. I don't know that I would mention it if it didn't work so well. Yeah, he. It, I think he could pull, he pull it off anything. Um, all right, so So Pitted is on tour now and probably coming to a town near you at some point. If you're looking, just <laughs> look them up. <laughs> Today you heard music from The Duchess and the Duke, The Unnatural Helpers, Gazebos, Mud Honey, Nikki and the Dove, So Pitted, and Grand Archives. And if I forgot to mention somebody, that's okay. We will always have a comprehensive playlist at our website, subpop.fm. Yeah. Check that out for sure. There's also so much other good stuff at subpop.fm, including links to all the videos, the mini videos we referenced today. Mm-hmm. You'll find those there, along with really good show notes from Stuart yeah. of Megamart ad fame. We also included some clips of Highlander and Jerk Beast, if you want to check those out. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so much more. But in in particular, there's all, that's also where you can get in touch with us at podcast at subpop.com. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. Yeah, and sure. if you don't feel like writing that out, there's also a contact form. Yep, or Twitter. Yes, Facebook. Sub Pop Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, you do know, it. 2016, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to thank Marcy Stone, Francois, Carlos Alberto Fernandez Lopez, and Nathan Rodriguez. Thanks, everyone, for being on the show today. Yeah, and thanks to the Sub Pop bigwigs. Ooh. Chris Jacobs, Megan Jasper, and Jonathan Poneman. Thank you. I guess like a knee grab is fine, but the steady hand on the knee the whole time bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Like people know you're a couple, you don't have to like exaggerate.